Welcome to Canvas Church. You are listening to our weekly celebration service message. Thank you for tuning in. Amen. Come on, from your home, can you just right now, come on, clap. Let's give God some praise today. So glad you're tuning in uh, with us uh, today. And man, I pray that you're doing well. We are one week away uh, from opening up our buildings um, to have live services once again. And I know there's many of you that are excited about that. Um, and yet there's some of you that are still uh, just saying, hey, I'm not ready to return. Uh, maybe that's uh, just because of precaution. Maybe it's health things, um, whatever it might be. And we honor that and we respect that. And so we're going to continue bringing you uh, the messages uh, for church at home. So stay tuned, man. Whatever's going on here, you're a part of. And a matter of fact, we are uh, continuing to build and broaden um, our, our ministry team. Uh, because uh, we need more ministry team now, actually, because we're not only going to be meeting live in buildings, but we're also going to be uh, continuing to bring you uh, the online uh, services, which means we need service hosts and greeters, digitally, all that stuff. And so, man, I'd love for you to be a part of that. So if you're watching right now and you're on the ministry team uh, and you say, man, I'm not ready to come back live, hey, you're still on the ministry team and we can, we can use you. Uh, and I know God uh, wants to continue to use you in that capacity. So thank you so much for joining us. Next week also is Father's Day. And so as we open up our buildings, we're going to be celebrating dads. And I uh, would love for you, if you are doing church online, uh, to maybe just cruise on through uh, and pick up the gift that is for all the dads. Um, and so you can be a part of that as well. So uh, man, I want to say this. I want to say, church, that it's been incredible um, watching you become the church um, just right in your neighborhood. Uh, with what you're doing as you continue to be the church even right here uh, through your generosity and through your giving. Man, you guys have been incredible and I wanna encourage you to continue uh, to give. I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again. I believe that right now, uh, man, is the greatest time to be generous uh, because there's so many people in need. So uh, right now, uh, there's a link coming up. And if you want to give and participate that way with your worship, make sure you click on that link. If it doesn't come up uh, or you can't find it, you can simply once again text GIVE to 858-943-2221. Now, uh, this whole digital pastor thing, uh, I'm still, I mean, I know we've been doing it for three months now. Uh, which is crazy to think about. Uh, we celebrated our one year, in a, uh, one year in our building and then like literally the next week the pandemic hit and uh, we weren't in our building any longer. And so, man, I'm, I'm still learning the digital pastor thing. Um, and one of the ways that we're still uh, lagging in the connection is the responses from you uh, when it comes to connectivity. And so I'm asking you today, um, if you've been watching us online but you have not yet let us know, Right now, the service host is throwing up a new here uh, link that you can click on. Could you click on that and just let us know? Hey, I've been watching. I'm with you. Um, I would love that. And uh, so maybe you're here for the very first time this morning checking us out. Uh, make sure you click on that and let us know because we want to connect with you, send you some more information about the church and how you can stay connected uh, right here. And so, um, so do that. Uh, well, um, I'm going to grab my stuff right over here, but you can stay right where you're at. Um, now, last week, uh, we started, um, I guess, I, I wouldn't really call it a series, uh, more of a conversation. Uh, we started a conversation last week entitled Racism and the Role of the Church. Um, I think it's very clear to everyone right now um, that, that racism is uh, in the headlines. It's at, at the forefront of everything that's being talked about. 
and, 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 and especially amongst the, the black community, but not just in the black community. It's, it's, it's broadening out and voices are being heard and conversations have uh, been being had. And so uh, obviously as the church, I think the church has the greatest voice on all matters in life. And so as the church and specifically as Canvas Church, I know many others are doing it as well, uh, we, wanted, we wanted to jump in on that. And the way we did that, we started last week, is we wanted to hear the voices of some of our incredible congregants. Because here's something we need to understand, that no matter what you think about or believe about racism, biblically, at the heart of racism is sin. And the answer to sin is always found in the gospel, and that's Jesus Christ. He's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. But before we can begin to talk about the specific role, which I'm going to get to next week, of the church... I wanted to hear from some of our congregants and how they've been specifically uh, impacted this moment that's going on. And so last week, if you missed it, I encourage you to go back and watch it. But we're gonna continue that today. And here's what I'm asking of you, church. I'm asking you to lean in and I'm asking you to listen. Don't tune out. Man, don't tune out. Stay tuned in. Um, the reality is, is uh, this past week, since we aired last week, um, I've received more emails, text messages, phone calls, Facebooks um, than any other time in my ministry uh, because it seems like everybody has a thought and, or, or, or maybe even a question, but everybody has something to say around this subject. But here's what I'm asking you to do once again. I'm asking you just to lean in and I'm asking you to listen. I'm asking that your ears would be open uh, as we talk about this, uh, this very sensitive it's a very sensitive issue. And so as we're doing this today, I want you to know the gospel is being preached. The gospel is being preached as we share messages uh, from the word, as we hear from our, our brothers and sisters in Christ, the gospel is being preached. So I want you to hear this platform verse today as we get into this moment. And it's found in Mark 12, 28 through 31. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation and it says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to a debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. Now, he could have stopped there, but he didn't. There's another verse, and I want you to hear it. So the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Did you hear the last part? Love your neighbor as Yourself. I've been meditating on that verse. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love, love, love your fellow brothers and sisters as yourself. I've been meditating on that and thinking about how do, how, how do I like to be loved? Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't feel loved unless I'm heard. I don't feel loved unless I'm heard. Love takes a position and a posture of listening. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to lean in and I'm asking you to listen and I'm asking you to love your neighbor as yourself. And I think if we're honest with each other, we could all agree on that. If I'm not heard, I don't, I don't feel loved. So I want you to lean in right now. Here's what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna pray. 
and then we're gonna get into some questions. And I pray that your heart gets opened up because here's the reality, that all of us have a cultural context and it's not always the same. And we're gonna hear today from some of our incredible brothers and sisters right here at Canvas Church and we're gonna love our neighbor as ourselves. God, we pray, Lord, in the next few moments that we have together, Lord, that our hearts would open up, that, Lord, we would just maybe ingest this verse a little bit to, to learn how to love, to learn how to open up our ears and listen, to understand that uh, whether we're, we're, we're black, whether we're white, whether we're brown, God, that we all have a cultural context. And God, our cultural context doesn't always line up with the other person's, but that doesn't make ours right and theirs wrong. So God, I pray that today that we would lean into the gospel. We would lean into your word. We would lean into what it says in Mark 12, verse 31, love our neighbor as ourselves. that we would listen. Open hearts and open ears. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you guys so much for uh, being willing to, to jump on stage with me and preach the gospel and share uh, from a context that I can't share. Uh, one of the things that I just mentioned, one of the things that the Holy Spirit's been speaking to me is that, um, you know, our perception is our reality and that all of us um, have a cultural context that differs from one another. And, uh, and that needs to be shared, especially in the context, I think, of, of Mark 12, 28 to 31, that how can you really truly love somebody unless you take time to get to know them and their cultural context? And so I'm excited that you'd be here today and, and, and share with us. I'm just going to open up because uh, a lot of the church might not know who you are. So I'm just going to start over here with Michael. And I'd, uh, Michael, I'd love for you to share, um, you know, your name um, and uh, what, what, you know, uh, what brought you to Canvas Church? Why did you make Canvas Church your home? So, can you hear me? My name is Michael Johnson, and um, we've been attending Canvas for about a, a little over a year. So we, we started attending probably six weeks into you guys um, coming into the building. So um, me and my wife were looking for a new home church. Um, we, we jotted down a few things that were important, um, children ministry being one of them. Um, so I did what any millennial type person would do, I Googled it, right? So I Googled church in, in, our, in our area, San Marcos, um, Escondido area, and then Canvas was one of the churches that popped up. Come um, on. Thank you, Google. It really kind of uh, drew me in, so I wanted to check it out. I um, clicked on Canvas, and the, the, one of the first things that I read that it was um, a multicultural, multi-ethnic, um, non-denomination um, church. So me being... Um, black and my wife being Mexican and, and white and my daughter is obviously black, Mexican and white. So we are a multi-ethnic, multicultural family. Um, so that kind of benefited fitted me. So we, we started to attend and um, it's been our home ever since. Come on. We're yes. so glad it is. Let me, you know, uh, let me ask you because I've, I, I've read websites before too and I've read statements and then I walked in and I'm like, wait a second, this church doesn't line up with the statement. Anybody ever been there before? Um, uh, were you, um, did, did, was your expectation met? When you walked in, did it seem like a diverse church? Um, yeah, it did. It did meet us. Uh, surprisingly, there's a lot of uh, multicultural families here. And um, so when we, when we got in, we just felt kind of at home. Um, I believe the first, uh, I want to say, um, I want to say it was either Anthony or someone else was like one of the first people I met. And then um, 
um, the Riveras was the next person I met, and then you, and like from there it's been, it was three different cultures right when I first right. walked in. So um, yeah, it, it's, it's done. That's it's awesome. Exactly what we wanted. That's very cool, that's very cool. Well, over here I have uh, Linda and Kim, and if you see them sharing a mic, uh, we are still following protocol. They are related, all right? And so they're family, so it's okay that they share a mic. But uh, Linda, why don't you share with um, uh, us your name, and uh, why did you make Canvas Church a place uh, for you? Well, my name is Linda Osborne, and we were with Coastal Hills, and we merged with Canvas about two and a half years ago. And we were meeting at the theater. I mean, and when, we, when we merged, it was just like it was supposed to be. Um, it was like we never skipped a beat as far as um, our spiritual growth, as far as the love that we felt from everyone that was there. And I got involved with the greeting and with the um, worship team almost right away. And Kim got involved because we were a, a set-up tear-down church at the time, being in that theater. And yes. Kim um, was part of that group. And when they needed help, I would get in there and help with that as well. So from the very beginning, we felt like we were family. And then... I call this our miracle church. God gave us this church and provided everything we needed. And we live about 20 minutes away, whereas before we were about three or four minutes away. And, and my thought was, well, wherever we go, we're about 20 minutes from that area anyway. So this is our home. Come on. And this is where we're going to stay. And this is where we're growing. Um, Kim is my daughter. My granddaughter, Jolie, is in the youth group. And... She's just growing, and, and it, we, just, we just love everybody. Awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. We love having you on worship. It's Thank awesome. You. Yeah. Kim, why don't you go ahead and share? Okay. My name is Kim. Um, like she said, we came about two and a half years ago, set up and pack up, um, and I jumped in with hospitality and tech. Um, this was a place of healing, acceptance. Uh, from everybody, from the time you walked into the door, um, meeting the pastors. So um, I decided to stick with Canvas Church as well. And like you shared, the diversity that's in this church, different people, uh, people from different backgrounds and different walks, um, and just a place of healing. So, Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much. My man, Stephen, why don't you go ahead and share uh, who you are and um, what, what made you decide that Canvas Church would be the place for you and your family? Yes, uh, my name is Stephen Dixon, and my wife Camille and I um, were kind of looking for a church home. We recently got married. Uh, next month will be a year Come of on, marriage. somebody. Can Praise we give him a hand right now? Come on. Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah. awesome. No, she's a... Uh, I've known her since uh, kindergarten, so uh, it took her a while, but, you know, I got her. I got her, so it was all good. <laughs> um, no, we, we, we were in search of a home church that we really wanted to call home. We had kind of been bouncing around a few churches, and uh, when she was living in L.A., we, we found a church we really liked, but, you know, we were able to get her down here, and, you know, living down in San Diego, we said, hey, you know, when we get married, we need to really have a home church, and a church that not only we can... Um, you know, come to and, and feel served, but also serve at. And so uh, we did the same thing as you. Look, Googled, looked up, you know, churches, and my wife was very adamant, hey, 
needs to be multicultural, you know, it needs to be people that look like us. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, we found Canvas and watched the sermon. And both of us were kind of sitting on the couch like, let's go check it out. So we, we came and there was definitely a lot of color on the canvas Come at on. the church, you know. So, you know, that was great. And then, you know, pastor started making references about basketball. I'm like, cool, I got a pastor that likes sports. We're good. So, uh, you know, this has been home and it's been great. We've been coming here since uh, November of last year and uh, we just love it. That's awesome. And uh, Stephen's been helping us out uh, with our youth ministry over the last, just jumped in and actually led the whole month of May and even the first two weeks of June and is going to stay involved in the ministry here. And so, man, thank you so much. Um, Anthony, I know uh, that you were on here last, uh, last week with us, but uh, for those that maybe didn't tune in, why don't you share with us uh, your name and, uh, you know, what, what made, you know, Canvas Church be a home for you? Yeah. Uh, my name is Anthony Porter, and we've been here a little over a year, I think 14, 15 months. Um, my wife and I, it's the same thing. I mean, we were looking for a diverse church, uh, strong biblical teaching, strong worship. Um, that's what we were looking for. And uh, just to contrast with you a little bit, we celebrated our 36th anniversary this week. Come on, somebody! <laughs> My wife is here. (laughs) (laughs) That first year is tough, but you'll get there. (laughs) But um, yeah, so we're happy to be here. Happy to happy to serve. My wife is Filipina as well, and we were looking for diverse diversity in the yeah. church as well. So, awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, uh, last week we had some questions and um, one of the reasons I wanted Anthony to come back is he helped me write some more questions that would, he thought would be great ones so we're not just repeating the same ones over, although those were good too. And, um, and so we're gonna jump in and I love the questions that you helped me come up with um, because some of them are, uh, I think will help us um, uh, understand more, listen better, uh, maybe give some context. And so one of them is this, and, um, you know, me being white, I, I thought, I've thought through this before, you know. It, says, uh, it says this, is what, what does it mean? I'll, I'll, uh, I'll go right here with you first, Stephen. What does it mean or how does it make you feel when a white person says, I don't see color? Or I have friends that are black. Uh, now, I, listen, I've done it before, you know, in this, in this conversation of racism. Like, I'm not right. I have friends that are black. Uh, but I'd love to know, how, did, how does that make you feel? And then secondly, um, you know, how do you respond to that? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a big one for me. And I say that uh, because um, God sees color first. Yeah. God sees color. And it's actually biblical um, that God sees color. He actually smiles on color. Um, we're all created in the image of God. And... I believe even in Revelation, um, John speaks in Revelation 5 and 7 about uh, God's throne and actually there's color mentioned there. So from a biblical aspect, um, God acknowledges color, smiles on color, and and definitely wants us to acknowledge color as well. So when I hear a white person say, hey, I don't see color, um, it may come from a, a good intention standpoint, but to me, it still comes off offensive because for 400 plus years, blacks have been told who you were by the color of your skin. And, and when I say that, obviously, you know, for 400 years, um, if you were black, you weren't even considered a human being. Um, if you were black 400 or, you know, even 60, 70 years later in our country, you are only permitted to use these restrooms 
or you're only permitted to use the, you know, go to the back of these restaurants and so on and so forth. So we've already created in our, in, in our society, you know, how we see color and how we view color based off of, you know, kind of the system that's even been put in place in America. But, you know, when, you know now we flash forward, here we are 2020, you should see, see black, and you should see black as beautiful, and we should see white as beautiful. We should see, you know, all the colors in between as beautiful because God is how God sees us. And so for me, um, I need my white friends, my white pastor, and so on and so forth to acknowledge black because at the end of the day, my blackness, I, I, I being black, my experience in America is different than your experience being white. Right. And when you acknowledge me being black, you're also acknowledging the experiences that I've experienced in America. Good. And when I say you're a white man, I'm also acknowledging the experience you are. Right. And now we can have a dialogue and right. conversation because good. you have openly acknowledged that. Good, good, yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, I, I know that, I don't know that I've ever said it before, but I've thought it before in my mind. Like, I don't, I don't see, you know, this is uh, whenever, you know, I don't see color. Obviously, we see color. I think that a lot of people, you're right, I don't know that they, I think they're, they, is that the right thing to say? You know what I mean? Is that the way I should? But knowing now, hearing, you know, contextually from you, like, hey, this is what it makes me feel as a black person. Um, it changes the conversation and it changes the dialogue because you're right, because uh, it does speak to who you are and your upbringing and your, and your past and some history. And I love the fact that you mentioned revelations and that God sees color. It's one of the ones I was actually meditating on today when John is able to see in uh, kind of to the throne room of God. And it says that every ethnicity, every ethnicity is represented there. And that's, that's the church. That's the church. Well, thank you. Anybody else want to respond to that one? Um, I'd like to respond when I say, <clears throat> well, you know, I have uh, black friends. One of my best friends is black. Uh, it's, it's an insult because it's, it's and, and I know it's coming from a stance of, of um, actually ignorance because their feeling is it's making me feel better. Right. And in all reality, I don't feel better and you don't really don't have to prove to me who you are uh, by letting me know you have black friends because um, I'm a person that look into a person's heart and, and, and see who they really are because growing up in the United States and being black, you, you can spot almost immediately who truly likes you and who doesn't like you. Um, so, what I do and the way I handle that is I just extend grace mm. because I know where it's coming from and I know that person doesn't mean harm. I don't feel they mean harm. Uh, like I said, I would, if, if so, I would be able to tell at the beginning anyway. So m my handling is extending grace to them and, and right. kind of ignoring what they said and go on and, and continue a conversation Good. That, Good. that we were having in the first place. Yeah. Good. Good. Somebody else want to add to that? Yeah, I was going to add. Um, my, the way I feel is, is always like, it's like when someone says, um, no disrespect. You know, in the next few minutes, somebody's <laughs> going to get disrespected. <laughs> um, so, or, no, not trying to be rude, but they're about to be rude. <laughs> yeah. So, 
when, when people say, I don't see color or my best friend is black, that means eventually in that conversation, they might say something and they're trying to make you feel comfortable like, oh, that wasn't like a racist thing. That was just, oh, because I have friends that are black. So they're trying to make you comfortable with the, with the fact that they're going to say something that is probably going to be a little off color, so to speak. Yeah. Right? So that's how I feel when I say it. So for me, when people say that, it's like, okay, it mentally goes to that point. At some point in this conversation, it's about to go to a place or it's about to say something that I'm totally not going to agree with. I'm be offended by it. But they just prep me for that, yeah. if that makes sense. No, that's good. I, that was a great example, actually. That, that was fantastic. I just wanted to add to that a little bit because I, I just had that situation. And it was a friend, you know, um, family friend that was reaching out to me um, trying to understand this whole thing. And he's trying to teach his son, uh, who's uh, about 10, 10 years old. And he was saying, yeah, you know, my son doesn't understand what's going around, going, what's happening, because he doesn't see color. And the way I responded is, hey, it's okay to see color. He should see color. Teach him the history, you know, teach him the culture so that he understands it and he, know, he knows we're, we're different and then he can, he can love that person. So it, was, it gave me an opportunity to actually respond. He said, oh, you know, I never, I never thought about it that way. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. I didn't, you know, necessarily get offended, but it gave me an opportunity to share with him that, hey, you got this 10-year-old is interested. You're, you're saying he doesn't see yeah. color, but he does. Yeah. And, why don't you, you know, get some books, get, help teach him about it, you know. So it, there, there's an opportunity for us to respond. I, li I like what you just said, that you yeah. didn't get offended, right. but you used it as a moment. Right. Um, and I think, I, I don't know, I can't speak for everybody, but when I look at what's happening right now in our culture, um, you know, the events leading up to it and then the events after it, obviously tragic, but I feel like more than ever right now, the world is leaning in and listening, and wants to know, and wants that response, um, and wants to be, and wants to understand, and wants to be taught, um, and, and more than ever, I think. And, uh, you know, and if the black community can take that role even, right, that one of, okay, I'm not gonna get offended right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you how we feel, and I'm gonna give you some understanding of how we can get, you know, to a better place. Um, I thought that, I think that's so great, Kim. I haven't had that experience I don't, um, that I can recall, but I know another phrase that people will say is um, you can, you'll be talking and they'll be talking about a friend, but they always have to refer to them as my black friend. My, my black friend is like, okay, I understand you. Yeah. <laughs> like we really, I really don't need to know the ethnicity of your friend, but um, I just kind of ignore it and, and um, move on. Because I know it's out of ignorance. Yeah. So you know that's interesting. You say that that um, because yeah, if they had been talking to a white person, they probably wouldn't have even said my black friend, right? They just have said my friend. Exactly. Um, right. But that's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting. Well, let me ask this next one because I think it. Well, we just set it up for this. Is how uh, should a white person or even others? I mean, not just white. In in uh, but anybody. How should they? But specifically, I'm white, so I want to know. Um, how should a person uh, engage in a dialogue about racism? Um, and I know that's a big question. I don't know if there's a, a fully right answer, um, but um, 
you know, I'll, I'll, for example, um, you know, I, I, I was in college athletics, played basketball specifically. And uh, so in that setting, in that specific setting, I was actually the minority. And so I'm hanging out, and man, I mean, these are my, these are my buddies, these are my teammates, and they have a, the, a dialogue that I, would, I was not privy to before being on the team. Um, and they, they, would, they would drop the N-word with each other. And I was, I was in that for nearly two years, and without even thinking one day, they came up and I said, hey, what up? And I used it. Just because I'm in it and, I'm, and I'll never forget. Man, we, we're close. Like I hung out with these guys all the time. I mean, um, I mean it, 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 we were close. And everything, like it was just like you could hear a pin drop. And they just looked at me and said, hey, look, we're cool. But don't you ever say that again. And I learned my lesson real quick. I'm like, okay, I don't, you know, and, uh, and whatnot. But, you know, how, you know how, how should someone engage, especially right now, we want to know what's the best way to engage in this conversation. Uh, maybe, Michael, you want to start with it? Yeah, I, and I have two things because you brought up something. It reminds me of the same thing you went through. <clears throat> when I lived down in San Diego, I lived right by San Diego State, all the college things. And right next door, there was a... Um, um, alpha, alpha fraternity. So we used to hang out with them, party all the time with them, and they have their little chants and stuff like that. And it was same thing about a year in. They're like going off and they're doing a chant, and I started chanting with them. And they're like, Arr! like the thing stopped. And it was like, you're not an alpha. You're not a part of it, right? I didn't go through the same things that they went through. I didn't, I didn't earn that, wow. um, that um, ability to, to do it. Even though I hung out with them and all that, I didn't, that groundwork wasn't laid and I didn't go through that. So that's kind of like what, great, what, um, what you went through. Yeah. So it's like understanding. It's like, man, what we've been hanging out. We've been friends. Like, shouldn't I be able to do it? It's like still the fact there's that language that they all went through. They blood, sweat and tears, so to speak. They went through that and I wasn't part of that. So wow. I wasn't able to do that. So that's kind of like where, yeah. where you came yeah. um, from. And, um, I just had this conversation the other day. I think to, to dive into um, the talk about racism is first acknowledging that there is even some. You know, some people are on certain sides of the fence and they say they don't believe it and they don't see it. <clears throat> but sometimes I, I look at it and I always relate back to coaching, right? So Stevens coach, uh, um, pastors played and stuff and I, I coach basketball. Like, <clears throat> we have to learn that we all have bias, right? So I can walk into a room and I see someone that's six feet, over six feet, they're walking on the, their, their, the walls of their feet, they got like a little bounce in their step, they're even wearing some like Nike slides, flip-flops, you know, some track pants or something, I'm like, hey, where did you play basketball at? And someone, they'll always say, oh, I didn't play basketball, or, you know, you get in that thing right. because you, you have a bias, I have a bias because the best athletes have these tendencies, so I look for those tendencies. I was taught that, mm. right? I was taught that bias. Now I gotta look at it, not every six foot four person is gonna play basketball, they don't, right? <laughs> and not everybody under um, six foot or under um, six feet, like a five five or five six person can't play basketball, right? You have smaller guys that can really play. So sometimes you're reacting off those biases um, that we all have, so it's, it's admitting that you have that bias and understanding it, right? That's the first way to get mm -hmm. into that conversation and be like, you know what? I didn't see it before. I'm kind of biased on that. So let me, let, me, let me dig deeper and have this conversation and really get to the point. Because if you can't see it, then you're never going to get to that point. If you're looking in a room, it's always a room test. We have like 
you know, you're having a meeting. If I have all, if I have all coaches in a meeting, we can come up with rules, regulation, policies, and everything only from a coach's point of view, mm -hmm. right? It's the time where you have to put in someone else that outside of that, maybe someone so from good. an admin, somebody from a parent that comes in to say, oh, you guys want to practice 13 hours a day? Like, you guys can't do that, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but if you, you, you get a room full of coaches, they're going to be like, yeah, okay, we'll have condition in the morning, we'll practice, then we'll go lunch, then we'll come back to team film, then we'll practice, then we'll have a late night lifting session. That's what we're going to say if we're coaches, if the whole group so of coaches good. are in there. You have to bring someone in from the outside to see the flaws in your thinking sometimes and kind of help you show the way. So, so good. I'm glad you mentioned that. So good uh, because, you know, like, um, I, you know, after last week, I received a ton of responses, some good, some bad, some in between. Um, but a lot of people not necessarily appreciating the fact that we were doing a panel rather than me up here with a pulpit yelling at them. Um, but I just felt in this moment, I, I, I mean, yes, I believe the, the gospel gives me the platform to speak on every topic. But to have a depth and understanding, I mean, I, right now, I needed to bring in another perspective. I need our church to hear another perspective. And so I think this is so healthy. You also touch, and we'll, we'll come back around to this question again, but maybe this can add to it. Um, you brought up bias. Um, and I wonder, and I don't know, but I wonder if sometimes, and Anthony, you and I were having this conversation during the week, if some, sometimes, now I agree with you 100%, racism is out there, and it's in the hearts of people. But I wonder, and not that it maybe makes any better, but I wonder if sometimes there's more of a bias. If you look at the definitions, right? Like if there's more of a bias than there is of, um, of, of racism. Um, and so maybe that could be added to the question of how do we talk about this? But I love what you said. It's just, hey, acknowledge that it exists and then maybe be open to the fact that it might exist in you, right? Uh, who, wants, who else wants to jump in on this? Well, I, I had an example. Um, is at work. We were in a, a staff meeting, and um, I work in Rancho Bernardo, and they were going to have a protest there. And the company put out a statement that there's a protest, so who's ever at work, you know, you have to, if you want to leave early, you know, for your safety, whatever, you can, you can go. And, and, that, and that's fine. Um, but then we had a staff meeting, and, and my boss said that, the same thing. But the elephant in the room was, why is this protest going on, right? Which right. nobody said anything about. So we typically go around the room and talk about our projects. And, and so I say, well, I, I, you know, I need to say one thing. You know, I've been working with you guys for many, many years, and racism is real, and don't be afraid to talk about it. So sometimes it's us coming from perspective that, hey, it's okay. You know, I've been working with you for years. You, we know what's going on. We're, let's not beat around the bush. Let's talk about it. And it, and it, it did open the door. Um, at least one came back to me after that meeting and wanted to talk about it. You know, some still haven't. So it's at least being willing to, to show that we're willing to talk about it, you know, right. to them. And, uh, you know, they may be afraid um, to, to mention anything, you know. Something's right. going on. No, <laughs> that's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You opening the door. Yeah. Uh, yeah. A, a black person opening the door. Right. 
Um, and obviously, you know, not, not uh, you know, I've, I've been hearing stories out there of random people going up to, you know, random white people going up to random black people that don't even know and saying, hey, how are you? Can we talk? Now, I don't know. Okay, I'm just going to be honest from where I'm saying. That to me is a little strange, right? Like, I mean, if you, if, like, this is a dialogue. We're friends, right? We go to church together. We know each other. And, uh, but that to me, I don't know, maybe I'm off on it. But is that a little strange or... <laughs> it's strange, but I still look at it as this person wants to know, so I, so I think it's okay to go in and educate. Okay. Because a lot of it have to do with being educated on on uh, subject of how I grew up and my culture or what our cultural cultural background is. So, you know, I I don't mind speaking up and telling them. From A to Z, <laughs> you know, it started here and it hit here, and you know, and then going to some of my experiences. I I, um, I was a hairstylist for 24 years, and when I was in beauty school, I always said I wanted to be able to do everyone's hair. I didn't want to be in just a a black shop. I and so I had the opportunity. I worked in three different salons through the time I did hair, and in each salon. I call it the international salon because even the people that work there for, from all walks of life, different com uh, countries. And so my clients consisted on, of everybody. And when I was behind that chair, I was witnessing about Jesus and I was telling them about being black and telling them, you know, just pointing out certain things. I had clients that had grown up, say in the 40s and 50s, that were still using the word colored. And they said, oh, yeah, I saw this colored girl. Well, then right away gave me the opportunity to educate rather than to get angry. And so, you know, I said, well, that's not, that's not what we're called anymore. And they said, well, you're not, you know. And so I was able to go and explain to them. And, and you know, by the time it was said and done, they, she got, they had gotten on, because uh, it was more than one, they had gotten to the point where they were saying black people, you know. And then I would point out to them, um, what a lot, a lot of things that we have had to go through, because I said when we look at the magazines, because we've had to have our own magazines. We've had Jet Magazine, Ebony Magazine, Essence Magazines, and it was because we didn't see anybody that looked like us in the other magazines. So, and then we didn't hear the stories about what was going on with us. And if we did, it was stories that were not true stories. Mm -hmm. So within those magazines, that's what we would look to. Um, so I point those out to them. I point out to my children when they had their birthdays, there were no, no cards where I can go and buy them a card that had a black child on that card. So what I would do is I would buy the card because if, you know, if I liked what it said, I take it home and I get my brown crayon and I would color the children in because I would always tell my children they were special also. Mm. Um, so within my household, I would get black art when I could find black art. I would again, you know, with the with the cards, just anything to to so they would know that they were special because when I was growing up, I didn't see anything like that. My all my dolls were white dolls. Mm. Um, you know, everything that, um, now again, going back to the magazines and everything else, because there was a time when, like you said earlier, they didn't even consider us to be human, you know. So 
as time goes on and as I educated my clients, it drew us closer together. And, and I had close relationships even after I retired with a lot of my clients and it's because I opened up to them and so educated, good. you know, and told them who I was and how I grew up. So good. I, I love what you just shared and I love what I'm hearing again. It's just, hey, just, I, I think, you know, how to have the conversation about it is to recognize that it exists, right? To be open on both sides, to have the conversation, not to ignore when there's those teaching moments available like you guys just both shared. Uh, but something you said, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm learning right now, like as I'm sitting here, something you just said um, that we had to have a black magazine. Um, because I've heard people say, probably white people, say like, what do you mean? Like they have black entertainment television. Uh, they have this, they have that, they have all this stuff. And I hear them saying, I'm just like sitting there listening. But now what you just shared was educational. Yes, we had to have that, right? Because we, everywhere we looked, the dolls, the magazines, the, yeah. And just to, to really even comment further on that, I had a, um, a close mentor of mine who's actually a teacher, and he uh, had a project for his class where he said, hey, I want um, you all to draw your favorite athlete or entertainer, singer, athlete, or singer, and then I also want you to draw um, a profession, whether it's a scientist, a doctor, a lawyer, or something, and actually draw the person, draw the person out. He said, Almost all the athletes or entertainers were black. Wow. And almost all the other professions, scientists, lawyers, doctors, you name it, were white. Wow. And so in that moment, he was able to show, you have bias and you don't even know, but you just drew it out. Mm -hmm. And so he was able to have that conversation and dialogue with his classmates and so, or I mean with the students. So. Um, you know, even something like that can really highlight and show right. bias. No, you know, that's so good. You know, I'm a, uh, a football fan, and Michael, I'll get you a uh, football fan. And um, I still remember, um, even in, I mean, I'm only 46 years old, but I still remember as a kid when all of a sudden uh, there was able to be a black quarterback, right? And, uh, I mean, now I think in the, for the most part, I mean, it's just, it's just kind of, it, it, you know, does not. But I remember, it wasn't that long ago, it seemed like, that these positions are reserved for this people group and these, posi you know, positions for that people group. Michael, do you want to jump in there? Oh, I was just going to say, well, like history is, um, is created by the victor, right? So if you look at it, um, most of white America thinks that white men, not even to say white women, white men did everything. They accomplished everything, right? And so usually with history, they only show black as the slavery part of history, mm. right? And then we have two standouts, which is um, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. So it, it, um, it makes you automatically think like, where's my history? It's like, we only did, we're only slaves, right? Um, so that's where the history comes in that we have to dig for and get because, and I'll use it, um, as we, everybody's just watched The Last Dance, right? And you learn, you watch it and you learn new things <clears throat> for, about Michael Jordan. But if you actually listen to people talk about Michael Jordan before you watch that, you would assume that he never missed a shot. He hit every game right. winner shot there was. Like he, he never lost, he never passed the ball. You know what I mean? He dominated <laughs> everything. You hear it and it's like, wait, 
like Jordan was actually human, like he actually missed shots or he actually deferred to someone else to make a shot. Like you hear that myth, so you, it builds up so much that when you actually look at it and you see the film and stuff on it, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was the, one, the greatest player ever, right? But he did pass the ball. He passed it off to Steve Kerr to hit a game winner, right? right. He actually, you know, everybody's controversial. He actually did push off, you know, uh, Russell and everything to make that last shot. There's different things like that. And you realize, well, you know, it's a different picture from what you're meant to believe. If you never would have seen that, you would have never looked at him at a certain way than you do now. Like we all found out the flu game was actually, you know, stomach uh, right. food poisoning game. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't have that same ring to it, right? The flu flu game and the uh, food poisoning right. game are, are two different things, right? Yeah. So yeah. you look at it different. So when you're looking at our history, and if you don't see those powerful black figures in that history, then you only feel like you have that one avenue. Right. Like right now, our one avenue is, or two avenues is sports and entertainment. Like right. there's not enough that's shown about the successful doctors or the lawyers or, you know, police officers or anything right. like that. We have to build, those, we have to show those stories so those kids can see that picture. So good. Yeah. You know, you mentioned history. Um, and um, I don't know, I don't remember in high school if they specifically had Black History Month. I don't know, you know, when that started. I don't know what year that started. So I'm, I'm trying to think back. But I remember learning about, you know, different things within the black community in history. Um, and so you bring up history. And so I, I have a question. Okay, this is a question. Not on, it's not on the script. Um, how does having a month, just one month set aside to black history make you feel? Kim, do you want to share? I guess black history for me is I'm black every 365 <laughs> days a year. So <laughs> right? I can't just go along with one month. Um, we try to cram everything into one month about us, and it's, it's, um, it shouldn't be that way. We should be able to celebrate or teach others about our history throughout the year, just like we do anybody else's. Well, white history is what, what is taught, you know. Um, our history is a part of America, a part of America's growth, a part of why a lot of things are here, and, you know, um, I don't know, just for example, like the statues that they're bringing down. If you want to have the statues there, to me, that's fine, but you have to show the slavery in the background, what was going on in the background here. Um, we were watching things about plantation. Um, they never once mentioned that they had slaves. They just mentioned on there that the people that owned the house were very fine business people, but they never mentioned the slavery or where the slaves slept, where, you know, it's like they, it, that, that history is wiped clean, mm. and that's part of our history. Right. So um, I think it's important to, to share year-round, not just have one right. month. Right. You know, we actually have two. We have, month. in the shortest month, we have February, and we have, Matt, this month is Juneteenth, which is our, our 4th of July, mm. you know, the, the, when slaves were free. Right. So that's our... our Independence Day, which is coming up the 19th of June, wow. which is called Juneteenth. Wow. So, wow. Um, you know, yeah. No, that, yeah, uh, you know, I'm trying to put, I'm trying to think through my lens. If I had, if there was just one month, White History Month, right? Um, because, uh, I mean, it, it should just be history, right? Exactly. It should just be history and we should be learning it all. And I'm sure that Black History Month stemmed from a good place, I hope, right? Um, 
But just by, by saying that, hey, this is Black History Month, almost puts you in a different category, and it's like, okay, we, you have this month. It almost admits to racism, right? Uh, at least that's what I'm thinking, because I, I couldn't imagine if it was like, all right, here's my month, you know? Um, this is the month. I, yeah, I can't imagine that. Um, anybody else want to share on, on any of those ideas? <laughs> I just want to even mention when you talk about the Star Spangled Banner, a lot of people don't know that there is a, a song that black people have, and it's likened to the Star Spangled Banner. And when we hear that song, we stand because we honor that song as well. And it's called Lift Every Voice and Sing. Hmm. And, it's, and it's a black national anthem. Hmm. Do you uh, know it by heart? Well, most of it. Yeah. Do you want to, can you sing a little bit of it? For I can us? sing a little bit. Yeah. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicings rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the faith that our hope the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. That girl sang. Come on. Thank you so much for that. Um, time is eluding us. I want to ask this last one. Um, and uh, thank you again for doing this. Um, this last one is, what do you think is the greatest issue? And I would love for all of you to speak to this. What, is, what do you think is the greatest issue affecting black America today? Uh, my wife and I listened to this, and this is uh, it's about as real as it gets, I think. I, we've all played Monopoly before. And imagine playing against an opponent and for 400 turns, you never got to play, but the other person got to play. And they got to monopolize off of all those turns. And then the next 50 turns, you did get to play, but two things happened. One, whatever you got, you had to give a little bit away to your opponent. And if you started doing really well, you, your opponent had the ability to make you start over, to take it away and make you start over, burn it down, make you start over. And then after 450 turns, your opponent says, you know what, 
the playing field is now even, even though I have my 450 turns, catch up. That is the root of the issue with what's going on in our country in terms of blacks and what we're dealing with in 2020. Wow. Wow. Thank you. I have another perspective, and it's the lack of fathers in homes. Um, there's, because of system, systemic racism, there's a lot of black families who haven't had fathers in homes, and it's been encouraged through, well, war on drugs, welfare, a lot of different ways, methods that have taken the, the father out of the home and it's been incentivized to keep them out of the home. Um, father plays a very, very important role in, in the home and even in our society today, I believe that that's been minimized. Um, and, it, and, it's, and it's a problem. It's a problem for the kids that grow up in that home. Um, so that has perpetuated over the years and uh, that direction hasn't been there. Other people have stepped in, and, and this is not a, a knock on single moms doing the best they can, but when fathers are not in the home, that, that causes a problem where um, people can go awry. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the role of the father, mm. so important. So, but to any culture, yeah. right? Yeah. So important. Thank you for sharing that. Somebody else. No, I was just thinking of what Stephen was saying, and I, I can't add anything to what he said. Um, that, yeah. that was great. That was, that said it all. Wow. Um, um, we sometimes feel like we're, we're pulled back, you know, 10 steps forward and 20 steps back. And not, not because of our doing, because we work hard. We, and we always have a mindset that we have to work harder and better because we feel like we have to prove ourselves just to get that promotion. Um, as an example, my, my eldest daughter um, is in the movie industry and she built a program called Project 2020. She'd worked for AFI. This, this project took her all over the world and she worked in conjunction with the State Department as well. It, she was, she, she's been to Russia, China, Turkey, Tunisia. She's been all over the world. The State Department decided to, to um, see if someone else was interested besides AFI. And another film industry was able to get that. And what they did to her is took it from her, basically. They found a way to fire her, which uh, she had taken care of a situation when she was in, in Turkey. When she got back home, they told her she didn't do it properly. They fired her. Okay, well, usually when you get fired, you leave right away. They kept her around for another two or three months trying to find out how she built this program and she was one person doing this by herself, taking other people with her. Um, they could never find out, because she said, I'm not giving them my information. 
and eventually they had to have a four, four other people to try to do the job of, that she was able to do. And they eventually lost the program. And ever since that time, she's been working here, working there within the industry, and she's a brilliant young woman. But they're telling her when she go, she's gone to various studios looking for jobs. And they either tell her, no, we're not gonna give you this position, although you know everything and you know how to run it. She says, well, I just need a job right now. Well, you have too much experience for the other job, so you don't want that one. So she would never get hired. So it's her passion. And I keep saying, you know, there's gonna be, a, there's gonna come a time when God is gonna open up doors for you that no man will be able to close. So she's still hanging in there. But again, it goes back to taking 10 steps forward, 20 steps back, right. because those in charge won't give her that wow. chance. And she, she actually knows more than those in charge know. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Kim, do you want to share? Oh, okay. Michael, you want to close it? Um, so one of, one of my good friends just recently, I just seen a message that he had, he had spoke. And something that he said really kind of kind of hit me hard too. Um, and I think it's, it's, to answer your question, I think it's what we're dealing with now. And um, I'm gonna kind of paraphrase it, but he said, it's just value. It's being able to see the value in that person, right? He said, when he understood people's value, that's when it, he, he changed something, a flip, a, a switch had flipped that he started to value people. So his relationship with people had changed. And I think, currently understanding and it's not just a black thing but i just think overall people need to learn how to value each other more to wow. actually see a person for that see what what they have to offer that every every life has something to offer wow. and we need to value it because when you value something you take care of it so until we start valuing blacks and latinos Asian, come on. White, come on. It doesn't matter what color, what creed. Until we value that, then we're gonna make it important. And we'll do right by it. Wow. You know, because there's people that take care of sneakers. They'll take care of their animals. They'll take care of anything more than they'll take care of another human being. Wow. And that's because they don't value it. Wow. So that's the most important thing that we need to do is value it, because. When we all die, we go to heaven or hell, right? And when we go to heaven, it's going to be That's everyone. Right. That's right. And we're all going to be there. Wow. And together. And there's not going to be a black section. There's not going to be a white section. Come we're on. all going to be mixed in and we're all praising the same God. Come on. So let's love and care and value each other. And Come I think on. if we can do that, then. Wow. Then we can. Wow. Well said. And going right back to our verse as I close it out. You want to go, Kim? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know one of the things was like about racism at work. And um, I've been blessed to work at a job where we have multi, it's multicultural. We have people from Ethiopia, Somalia, Cambodia, Laos, um, Russia, like every, <laughs> we're like international job. Um, and one thing that we do to value each other is um, for like Black History Month, we were able to 
showcase anything that we want at work. You know, my mom will start out with the Black National Anthem and we give everybody a paper um, and she'll sing, we'll open up with a prayer. So we do like our traditional things and we teach people. We, throughout the whole month, we're putting up a different person and this is what they did. And um, so it goes back to, to learning about there's more people than just Michael Jordan. There's other people that did things. Right. Um, then we, we celebrate um, Vietnam, we celebrate Dia de los Muertos, we, you know, so we, you know, uh, Middle Eastern holidays, we do it all in our office, so I think that's one way that we can bring um, valuing each other and getting to know each other's background, I think that's very important is, because yeah. everybody has something to bring to the table. Right. You can, um, there might be something that you dislike, but then there's always going to be something that you like, right. you know, and that you can take away from the conversation. Everybody is different. Everybody has their opinion. Um, and we need to learn how to value and respect that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the bottom line is valuing and, and respecting good. others for what yeah. their background is. Yep. And I think it's good because, um, I mean, right here, once again, Mark 12, uh, verse 31, love your neighbor as yourself. And when you value each other, and part of valuing each other is what we just did right now, is being able to sit, listen, understand. I'm telling you, uh, the last two, actually three uh, Sundays, uh, man, being able to sit, listen, and hear, I've grown, I've learned. Um, and I see things through a different lens now. And, um, and I believe that church, if we all do that, if we all take it upon ourselves to live out this verse right here, love your neighbor as yourself, man, we will be a better place, we'll be a stronger church, and we'll be able to reach more people for Jesus Christ. Would you just bow your heads right now and pray with me? God, I thank you so much, God, for this incredible panel. God, I thank you, Lord God, for their willingness to come and share, uh, Lord, their, their context, share their world, Lord God, and, and just in a few brief moments. But, uh, Lord, I pray that today the eyes of Canvas Church would be opened up. God, I pray that, uh, Lord, in this moment, God, that we would learn to love like we've never loved before through listening, God, through opening up. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray right now for our church, God, that this would not just be a month, this would not be a series, this would not just be a moment, but I pray this would be a, a movement of change. God, I pray this would be a movement of, of us understanding. God, yes, in this context with our black brothers and sisters, but across all racial lines, and God, in every context, open our hearts. So Lord, I pray for everyone leaning in right now. God, let us learn to love like we've never loved before. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit our website at www.canvaschurchsd.com.